And what's good, y'all? What's good, y'all? And welcome to another episode. New Year's Eve Eve, December 30th, the second to last day of the year 2020. Got a good show here for you on this Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday of the year. Of course, recap week 16 as far as National Football League is concerned. I'll run through the clinching scenarios that lie uh, week 17 uh, next or uh, this upcoming Sunday. Previewed these uh, college football bowl games, which will be played in about a day or so. And I got some baseball news to attend to uh, as we uh, move it along here on this uh, last Wednesday of the year 2020. And uh, just a little uh, note, uh, housekeeping as far as the program is concerned. Tomorrow there will be two podcasts uploaded. Tomorrow I will have a top 10, my top 10 games of, uh, I decided to move that uh, out of the regular, I would decide. I want. I originally had it to uh, uh, this show, this episode. But if I would, if I were to go through all ten games properly and give it its due time, I'd be sitting here talking for five hours. So decided to cut it out of today's. Uh, plus, the baseball news had a lot to do with it as well. So I decided to let that be on an episode um, among its out on its own that will be uploaded new year's eve as well as the best of show of the best interviews of 2020 here uh coach ireton uh evan cohen of uh sirius xm youtuber professor youtuber uh brandon perna that's good sports russo of course mad dog russo of course will make his appearance on that show and of course uh his son the great colin russo so be on the lookout for that new year's eve tomorrow december 30th. But let's switch gears now to the uh, National Football League and everything that went on along and went along as far as week 16 is concerned. Saturday, if you recall, I recapped the Lions and the Buccaneers game and then of course uh, the Arizona San Francisco game. And at the time I was recording that, the Dolphins and the Raiders was uh was in action. So and I haven't get you know I've I've tweeted out my thoughts but I haven't given you my uh, spoken word opinion of uh, what I thought of what I think about that game so uh let's not delay as I jump right into it. Uh the Dolphins escaped the Raiders and when I say escaped the Raiders they escaped the Raiders winning by a final score of 26 to 25. Uh two attack of Iloa, I mean it does. I mean, you know what this is for Tua. This this is the football gods. This is this is the quote unquote football gods' way of of making him eat crow, 
when remember when he got quoted when he said playing in the NFL isn't 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 uh, isn't hard or isn't that or uh, isn't difficult or it's he whatever he said he basically uh, marginalized essentially how the differences between playing quarterback in the NFL compared to playing quarterback in college and it's like ever since he said that the game has kind of caught up to him I mean he. You know he his you know he isn't that big. His aren't he? You know he isn't that big. He doesn't throw the ball down the field a whole hell of a lot. He only threw the ball twenty two times on Saturday night, and 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 only collected ninety four passing yards. I mean that's not that's not anything to uh, to write home about. And he doesn't any and I whether it's scared that he's gonna hurt himself again or what he doesn't he doesn't give that dual threat of of uh, running the football like Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Mahomes even though Mahomes isn't all that fast, you know, uh quarterbacks like uh like uh like those guys do, Deshaun Watson, etc. Uh so I don't know what to it I mean the Dolphins might end up regretting picking Tua and uh and wish they could have uh, drafted Herbert. Because Herbert looks like he has more upside as an NFL quarterback in the future than Tua does, and uh, you got to be very, you got to be very careful with picking the Alabama quarterbacks. You know, AJ McCarron is a is a uh, career number two guy. You know, you go down the line with uh, with the out with the uh, quarterbacks out of Alabama. They are they're not a very good uh, pro NFL quarterback. So you you know, buyer beware for drafting uh quarterbacks out of Alabama in the uh, in the later future. But I don't know what it is with uh, Tua. He just has not his game has just has not clicked well enough in the in the NFL for whatever the reason. It's just I think part of it is because that the rest of the league basically took it as an insult and said, "Hey, we'll show you." When Tua went out there, you know, cocky and arrogantly said the NFL playing quarterback in the NFL isn't as hard or or is as easy as uh, it is playing in college. So that's what that's what I got out of it. And then of course they had Ryan Fitzpatrick come in in relief uh, they did that they did this after the uh after the uh, Denver game and then they had to do it again to keep their playoff hopes alive cuz remember if uh if the Dolphins lost this game and the Raiders won it it essentially would have uh, kept Miami all most likely kept Miami out of the playoffs for good and would have locked up the Ravens spot as an AFC uh, wild card team, but Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in in relief, nine of thirteen and one hundred eighty-two yards passing through a touchdown pass. Phenomenal job down, uh, phenomenal job late in the game by Ryan Fitzpatrick, leading the Dolphins down the field to uh, to make it a to make it a uh, contested ball game into tie and. And then end up winning the game for uh, winning the game for Miami. Just an absolutely phenomenal job, Brian Fitzpatrick. Um, and Brian Flores came out and said, "Well, two is our quarterback." Um, which me personally, I don't. I I understand it, but I me personally, and when it, week seventeen, when it's winning, you're in where it's all hands on deck. We got to, uh, you know, we got to, you know, it's. We we, we got to perform or else we can say goodbye till September of 2021. I honestly, I'm starting Fitzpatrick. I'm riding the hot hand all the way. In. I'm riding the hot hand, which is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and seeing how far he can take me. We're not disputing whether or not two is the franchise guy. We know two is the franchise guy. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been been in the league for a long time. Who's in his upper Who's in his upper 30s? Who isn't going to be playing football come 2025? Tua Tagovailoa, if all goes well with him and his career and health-wise, he will be. 
So, uh, so it's not a matter of you know Nick Foles versus Carson Wentz. We all we all know that two is going to be the guy. But when you're trying to make a playoff push and make the playoffs, and then when you get into the playoffs, do the impossible and upset Kansas City or Buffalo or any of the top dogs to get to a Super Bowl. I mean, we all know Miami's going to win a Super Bowl, but their goal within that Miami locker room is to make the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl. If you're in it, why why bother going if you don't think that you have a decent shot of uh, of going all the way? The fans don't think that, the prognosticators don't think that, but everyone within the Miami Dolphins organization, their goal is to go to the Super Bowl. You're 10-5, and five, have a chance to make the playoffs Week 17, your goal is to your goal is once you make it is to go to the Super Bowl. Not likely it's going to happen, but that's but that's the goal. If you're in, if you're one of the, uh, you know, well at this point one of the seventeen or so or so teams that have something to play for heading into the final week of the regular season. I would I'd ride the hot hand in Fitzpatrick myself, me personally. You know, it's not like that Ryan Fitzpatrick is inexperienced in this sort of situation. You know, five years ago he did, you know, lead the lead the Jets uh, at at that point heading into the game against Buffalo five years ago with a ten and five record with a winning your in scenario to to make the playoffs as a wild card team. Granted, he did throw. Granted, he did throw an interception. He did throw an interception late in the game. They were down twenty two seventeen with about two minutes left in the game. He did throw an interception, which the which ended up costing them the game and ended up uh, costing them a, a wild card spot. To be fair, but it's not like Ryan. But I would imagine five years later that Ryan Fitzpatrick has learned from that. I mean, he has made big time plays to keep the Dolphins season a la last Saturday night to keep their season and to keep their. Uh, and to keep their uh, playoff hopes alive, but I I would ride the hot hand. I I personally would ride the hot hand to hell with to his feelings, to hell with his ego. We're at this point in the season. It's, it's a, they're not even about. It's not even about rebuilding now. This point in the season, it's about it's about winning and it's about getting to the playoffs and then winning playoff games and seeing what happens. That's where I stand from a Miami standpoint. And uh, and that's why I stand from a Miami standpoint. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick should start, Tua should not. And I think you're playing with fire a little bit when you start doing that platooning thing. Because you start playing with fire and you start platooning, guys, it could, it could get a little messy. Now, from Las Vegas Raiders standpoint... <sighs> I, I I this this team this team for the second year in a row is a bunch of frauds. Two thousand two thousand and nineteen this team started six and four ended up collapsing down the stretch to miss the playoffs. This year this team started six and four ended up collapsing and guess what missing the playoffs again. You know and I understand that they're going to pump up their chest and and. Uh, and walk around with a with a gold star on their on their on their belt, you know, because we're the only team in the last twenty some odd months in the last two football seasons, not the last two football seasons. We're the only team in like the in like the last eighteen months to beat. We're the only team in the last eighteen months to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Look at us. We know how to stop Patrick Mahomes, and you guys don't. And rah rah rah, yada yada yada. Oh God, goodness gracious, I don't want to hear it. When you collapse, John Gruden, this is you. When you collapse, like you all have done back to back years in a row, after going four and twelve, I think Gruden's first year there in two thousand eighteen. I don't want to hear it. Okay, there is you cannot find me a more over. Well, maybe well. Eh. 
maybe then maybe uh Clinsbury and McVeigh, but that's not a human there. You cannot find me outside of those two dopes. You cannot find me a coach that is more overrated than John Gruden. Back to back years, you start six and four, collapse down the stretch, and you, and you don't even sniff the postseason. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? With the with the lead and the breaks, the breaks that you are caught in that game, the phantom, the the pass interference penalty that shouldn't have been that gave y'all a chance and opportunity in the red zone to kick the field goal and and to uh, and to win the game. How and how 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 do you start six and four and collapse like that? Losing to Kansas City, okay, fine, I grant you. Going to Atlanta on the road and getting smacked forty-three to six, really? Losing, losing to the Colts and your defense not showing up, losing forty-four to twenty-seven, and then you and then you make the and then John Gruden now. John Gruden makes an asinine mistake, not in firing his defensive coordinator, but firing him when they when he knows good and well that they have a short week and have to turn around that that Thursday later of that week to play another game. You're setting yourself up for failure when you do that already. And they lost. And they lost to the Chargers at home. Offense couldn't generate any. Offense couldn't generate anything as much as they should have. And the de- and the defense can't stop. Can't stop anything. And then they, and they lump all the, They play the, They play a game where they have to win to not only keep whatever small minuscule playoff hopes they have alive, but also to help Baltimore and help making the playoffs as well. So not only do, does the does the fate of that game not only decide. It alter those two teams. It also affects Baltimore. They get a break of all time with the pass interference penalty that should have never that should have never been called in that situation. And they get the ball all the way down in Miami's at inside Miami's red zone. They kick the field goal, and the and the defense collapses like a cheap tent gotten off the clearance rack at Bass Pro Shops. How in the world do you call a cover two defense in that situation knowing good and full well they got to drive the ball 80 yards, 80 or 70 or 60. They got to get more than 50 yards to get to the opposite side of the field to kick a field goal just to tie the game up or to win the game. I apologize. But to win the game, how how does that happen? How does that happen? A cover two defense. Johnny, they have no timeouts left, down three, 18 seconds left. Any person that pays attention to the sport of football that has a slither of a clue about late game decision making knows that you want to protect, protect the deep ball, especially the deep ball towards the sidelines. They're not going to chuck the Ryan Fitzpatrick. Not going to chuck the ball fifty yards down. Is not going to chuck the ball fifty yards downfield with less than twenty seconds left at his own side of the thirty with no timeouts left, knowing that they have the knowing that they have to kick a field goal to win the game. He's not going to chuck the ball, you know, down the seams, down the seams, hoping a guy catches it and and praying the guy that is offense that is three hundred pound offensive lineman get on their horse and fight in ten in less than uh, fifteen seconds to get down the field so they can spike the ball so they can kick the field goal. He's going to, you you should already have that in your mind that he's gonna throw the ball deep down down the left and right sidelines. But what does he do? He calls a cover two defense 
Allison calls the cover to defense, receiver, catches the ball wide open, no one near him, catches the ball, and goes out of bounds to stop the clock. And then on top of that, because John Gruden's team is so undisciplined, how they're this undisciplined at this point in the season when they got playoff spots on the line, I'll never understand. But then the defensive lineman decides, hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick's in my grasp. Let me let me take all five let me take my big mitt and and grab Ryan Fitzpatrick by the face mask. And not only grab him by the face mask, which is already an infraction of itself, I'ma take I'ma take with face mask in hand, I'ma take his face mask and turn it forty five degrees. So Ryan Fitzpatrick Basically, has his head and his neck going going in an opposite direction while he has to chuck the ball a hundred million miles in the air, praying that some Miami Dolphin receiver downfield catches it. I mean, really? So not only do you give up the big play downfield, which also kills you, you also have you also have a fifteen yard face mask penalty, which it should have been called the the because these NFL refs, I guess, are just so smitten and are just in love with the words roughing the passer. They call roughing the passer when by rule that's a face mask penalty because his hands is on his face mask. But because the refs and the NFL are so in love with the pass interference penalty, they call that instead of the face mask. They call the face mask on top of the big catch to boot. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. It's 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 really unbelievable. The fact that your defense can be that bad, and the fact that your defensive play calling can be that bad, and the fact that you're in late game on field discipline as far as your players are concerned is that horrendous. It is mind-boggling how John Gruden is still employed. It is mind-boggling to me. If it was me, he he would have been he would have been fired before he would have been fired before before Sunday morning. The fact that his defense collect I, mean, I don't want to hear anyone. And, and my buddy Brendan was was like, "Well, that's a horrible decision." And Brendan and everybody else, Taylor Biscotti, NFL number, they've all going on and on and on. What an idiot! I mean, why do you, why not do you, why not do you try to punch the ball in the end zone if your defense can't get a stop when the Dolphins have their ball, their side of the 30-yard line with 18 seconds left in the, with 18 seconds left in the game up uh, up to up 25-23 and 18 seconds left, they have no timeouts. If your defense can't make a stop on that, I'm I'm not gonna. That's unfair to blame it. It's Gruden's fault, nevertheless. But I'm not gonna blame Gruden for deciding to milk the clock and kick the field goal rather than scoring the touchdown, leaving the Dolphins with a with a minute with a minute and change left with their timeouts, knowing that their defense has stunk all season long. Previous example, when Justin Herbert went down the field on him in the Thursday night game and scored a touchdown on him in overtime to win the, to win, to win the football game. I'm not, I'm not blaming Gruden for that. He obviously couldn't trust his defense to make a stop with with uh, with a minute and change left with the Dolphins having their timeouts. But but to his surprise, his defense is so pathetic they can't get a stop with with the 18 seconds left in the game and the Dolphins having no timeouts. So if they can't get a stop with 18 seconds left and the Dolphins have all of their timeouts, what meant to get the t- you know by scoring a touchdown to leave them that time and that and that and their timeouts? What makes you think if they can't get a stop with 18 seconds left, no timeouts? What makes you think they can get a stop when the Dolphins have a minute left to work with and their timeouts? 
That makes no sense to me. How can you how can you sit up there and say, well, how, well, what a stupid decision. Why not go for the touchdown on that situation when the defense can't even make a stop with 18 seconds left? If they can get a stop with 18 seconds left, what makes you think in your right mind that they can get a stop with a minute left and time left in the ball game? So I don't want to hear it. I don't want to. I, Brandon was giving. Brandon was reading me the riot act. Oh, Gruden's an idiot. Oh, what is he? What is he doing? He has to go for the touchdown. I'm like Brandon. 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 If his defense, which has been a sieve all season long, go go as recent again to the Charger game when when Herbert and his crew marched down the field on him to score a touchdown late to win the game in overtime. If they cannot make a stop. A simple stop, and are and are that undisciplined enough to know not to create a penalty on the quarterback and leave the wide receiver wide open down the left sideline. I am not killing Gruden from milking every single second of that clock and making the Dolphins use all their timeouts to the point where they get the ball back with less than twenty seconds left in the game. I'm not faulting Gruden for that. Am I going to fault him for having a bad defense? Yes. Am I going to fault Gruden for having his team undisciplined? Yes. But I'm not faulting him for kicking a field goal instead of going for the touchdown because because all because all because the result isn't the result that he wanted. I I could kill that. I can, I, I I I'm not interested. We should have went for the touchdown. No, he shouldn't have. The field goal was the right move. Okay, I don't. I, okay, I, and I told Brennan this. I, I'm not interested. In, I'm not interested in his in his philosophy. I'm, I could care less. I could care less what the, what the dopes on social media say. Well, it was bad. The clock management by Gruden. Nonsense. It's bad in game discipline by Gruden's team, and it's bad late game defense by Gruden's team. That's the fact of the matter of it. Okay, you want to blame Gruden? Fine. Don't don't blame him on don't blame him on the decision of kicking a field goal instead of going for the touchdown. Don't blame him for that. Blame him for having his team undisciplined and his defense being the equivalent of a dumpster fire. That you can blame Gruden for. That you can blame Gruden for. Defensive lineman grabbing Ryan Fitzpatrick's mask and nearly ripping his head off. That you can blame him for. Calling the cover two defense to allow Hollins to catch the ball down the left sideline. That you can blame him for. Milking the clock down to 18 seconds left with a leaving the Dolphins with no timeouts left left rest for the rest of the game. 18 seconds left kicking a field goal. I ain't, I'm not gonna fault him for that. I had no issue with it whatsoever. None. None. The idea we score a touchdown and be aggressive, what so, what so the defense can can make a fool out of themselves with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's who was masterful when they, when he got put into the game, who was masterful on Saturday night, masterful. So you want to give Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was essentially for the most part perfect on Saturday night, give him the ball with a minute left and a couple of timeouts. When that defense has been, once again, the equivalent of a dumpster fire all season long. Instead of thinking, having a little bit of faith in these guys, giving them, giving them a situation just to make one simple lousy stop. When the Dolphins have 18 seconds to work with, got to drive the ball down the field 50 plus yards, and they have no timeouts. And his team is undisciplined. Give me a break. Give me a break. 
Pittsburgh snaps their three-game losing streak in part by the Colts choking a seven choking a seventeen nothing lead. Up seventeen up seventeen points, up twenty-four. Well what was the deficit in that game? They were up uh they were up uh, twenty. They were up twenty-one to seven, and then of course, and then that twenty-one became twenty-four to, seven, and they end up blowing the lead and blowing a seventeen-point lead. I mean, and and th- and this is another thing, Brendan. I know you're listening out there. This again, uh, not a word. I don't want it. you, anybody. Philip Rivers with the Hall of Fame nonsense. He does not have a single moment in his career, single signature moment. That proves himself to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. I, I throw out all the numbers. Part of the the numbers. Part of the numbers are 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 inflated and are overrated because he's playing in a game. He's playing in a game that caters to the offense. I'm not interested. Give me one signature moment of his NFL career that you look at. You say, Ah, that's a Hall of that's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't. E- I don't even think Eli should belong in the Hall of Fame. He's going again, but I don't think he should belong in the Hall of Fame. But at least with Eli, you can go 2007 AFC Championship game, 2011 AF- or excuse me NFC Championship game, 2007 NFC Championship game, Super Bowl 50, uh, Super Bowl 42 with the with the uh, with the uh, game winning drive with Tyree and then Plexico Burst, or in Super Bowl 46 with the catch with Manningham. I can I can I don't even think Eli's a Hall of Famer, but I can I gave you four instances right off the top of my head where e, where Eli has a signature moment to bring a team on. Philip Rivers does not have that, and don't give me the excuse about well he you know he played for a team and had a bad owner. I not I, excuses serve no purpose in this situation. He ain't he isn't playing for the Los Angeles Chargers anymore. He's playing for the Indianapolis Colts, and when the time was there where the where where all they had to do was just put the four through the Steelers and to finish them, make them sweat and 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 put Steeler and put Pittsburgh with their backs against the wall. Week seventeen, having to play Pittsburgh for the division, they they could not bring them home. They can they could not bring them home. Bottom line, could not bring them home and essentially have Indianapolis essentially lock up the AFC South. Because there wasn't a chance in hell that the Tennessee was going to beat the Packers, let alone in a snowstorm later that day. I'll get to that in a few minutes. He couldn't bring him home. I understand his numbers weren't bad, and I understand it was a bad break fumbling for the for all you know went two hundred plus times without uh without uh fumbling the football, but he did not bring his team home, bottom line. And it got away from running the football, which that I also don't understand. And Pittsburgh's offense finally woken up. Woke up. Do I think? Do I think Pittsburgh? Do I think Pittsburgh is for real? And do I? And uh, am I going to put Pittsburgh in that? Uh, in that conversation of being the AFC's best that can make a push for a championship? Absolutely not. I got to see more. This was more about Indianapolis collapsing than was Pittsburgh all of a sudden getting their stuff together. I got to see more. But that is. But if Indianapolis ends up week seventeen missing the playoffs. Losing to a team that they lost to back in week one in Jacksonville, and and Tennessee takes care of business against Houston, and uh, you know, and the Ravens take care of business business in Baltimore, and Cleveland ends up beating Pittsburgh, which they should, and they make the play. Indianapolis is going to be kicking themselves for the rest of the winter and through the spring about choking that seventeen point lead to Pittsburgh. They'll be they will be. They will be sick with themselves for the rest of the for the rest of the winter and all spring long, 
if they if they end up missing the playoffs as a result of this seventeen point uh collapse, kicking themselves. That's where you stand with Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. As far as Atlanta and Kansas City is concerned, once again, I'm going to say it again. I do not want to hear not a word, not a peep, nothing. Not a single word about anybody, anybody handing the Kansas City Chiefs the 2020 Super Bowl 55 championship. I do not want to hear it. The Chiefs' biggest enemy and the only team that can beat the Chiefs Speaking of hyperbole, the only thing they can beat the Chiefs is themselves because they get too cute and they and they get too fancy. They try to out. They try to be they. Andy Reid, as much as I love Andy Reid as I'm ever for him, he they act like they. You know what they are? They they're, they're, they you know what they are? They're they're the uh, they're the organization in baseball that's got the uh, that's got the assistant GM giving the uh, sending the signals down to the manager that's that rides in as Mad Dogs and put it on the Schwinn bike with the uh, with the flip flops with the with the cat with the uh, with the khaki shorts and a Vineyard Vines pullover sweatshirt with the uh, with the fuzzy come over hair. Just getting out in the shower with the glasses on, riding a Schwinn bike, drinking a Starbucks. Uh, please, they and and why I bring that up? They try to act like that they're the smartest person in the room. Kansas City, when they're on offense, they can't run a standard offense. They they got more than enough talent to do so. They got more than enough talent to do so. Just run a standard offense and beat a bonus that way. No, we gotta be. No, we gotta be cute, and we gotta have you know, and we gotta have Sammy Watkins, all out of Philly special, throw a you know, throw a wheel on a wheel route. Patrick Mahomes have run a wheel route and throw Patrick Mahomes the ball down left sideline and gets intercepted. I mean, why are we doing this against the Atlanta Falcons of all teams? Why are we trying? Why are we getting cute? Why are we getting? Overly sophisticated, trying to beat the Atlanta Falcons. Why? They're the four. They are the four and ten heading into the game. The four and ten Atlanta Falcons. Why are we getting cute? Why are we getting overly sophisticated and 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 extra essentially with with our offensive game plan trying to beat the Atlanta Falcons? Okay, stop acting like you're the smartest guys in the room. We know you are, and we know what you're capable of. You don't need to flex your muscle every every offensive drive, every five seconds, every every game, every opponent you play. That they cheer the big back Kansas City Chiefs and have the most complete offensive team. Got a, a brilliant offensive mastermind and yada yada yada. We are all aware of it. Quit acting cute and quit acting overly sophisticated like you're the smartest guys in the room before you screw around and you and you pull and you pull that same crap in a playoff game and it comes back to bite you in the ass. Okay, enough. Uh, they're the Atlanta Falcons for crying out loud. You don't need to pull out all the tricks and 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 the gadget plays to beat the Atlanta Falcons. Trust me, you don't. You don't. If the if the Raiders can blow them out the water, there's no excuse why y'all can't. Or, or I, the Raiders blow them out the water. What am I saying? But if, if my God, that's a brain fart. Apologies on my end. That's I screwed up with that. But, but it's no excuse. But you get, you get the idea. No, no excuse. No excuse. Why Kansas City kept Atlanta in that football game? None whatsoever. No excuse whatsoever. Not there's absolutely zero excuses why the Chiefs offense allowed Atlanta to stay in that football game. None whatsoever. And again, I, I understand for all you people out there that Patrick Mahomes is the equivalent of God, but can we please? 
He's still a young quarterback with a lot to learn and and contrary to what you all may think, a lot to improve on. Okay, this is a second straight game where he hasn't exactly uh, looked like Len Dawson behind center. Look him up, Evan Longoria. 24 for 44, 278 yards, passing two touchdowns and an interception. I mean, really not? Really, this is what we're going to do now? Run, run in Philly special plays to beat the Falcons with Sammy Watkins throwing it to Patrick Mahomes, who should stay, who should stick with the quarterback. Because Lord Jesus, did he get mossed on Sunday? Can't I? And I tell you something right now, Kansas City. Mark my words, Kansas City is going to get picked off in the playoffs by somebody. I don't know who. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. But you mark my words, Kansas City is not repeating as Super Bowl champions. I'm telling you that right now. They are going to get picked off by somebody, whether it's whether it's by Buffalo, the Ravens, hell, even Tennessee or Miami, or or the Browns, or Pittsburgh, somebody. They are going to get picked off by somebody. I am not even a hundred. I'm not a hundred. I'm not a hundred percent confident they'll make it back to the Super Bowl. And even if they do, I don't think. I don't, I think they're going to get picked off by either the Saints, the Packers, or the Seahawks. They are not repeating the Super Bowl champions. Okay, they 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 were not Super Bowl teams looking to repeat. They don't they don't sit up here and fool around and and essentially you know. Have have uh, foreplay with their opponents, you know, tricking and, and and tricking with the fool's gold, thinking that they're in the game, only for them, only for them to get serious last two minutes and to pull the game away. I don't like winning football games like that. If you can get serious and you can buckle down and put the game away in the fourth quarter, why can't you buckle down and get serious to put the game away in the second and in the third quarter? Why? Why leave them hanging, hanging around, giving them, giving them little, small, little doses of hope that they can beat you? Put them away and put them away early. Quit farting around, okay? Let's sit, let's do our job. Hit them in the mouth, play smash mouth football, blow them out, and get the heck out of here, okay? And Kansas City has not done that this year. Too many instances, too many times. What you you can go all the way back in September with New England. Too many times they let their opponents linger and let them linger, let them linger, let them linger, let them linger, let them linger. Only for Tennessee to, to okay, well, now we got to get serious and we put the stakes on win the game. Let's, okay, goodbye. Nuh-uh. Teams that are serious about repitting and building dynasties don't do that. You put them away. You put the stake through them. Get them down while they're early. You don't let them creep around and hang around all game long. You know, to the point where it's, you know, it's like they get bored and it's like, okay, we've got to buckle down now. We put the stake through them, then we kill them, you know, last half minute of the game. No, 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 no. You're that great. You're that, you're that much of an all-time team. You want, you want to prove to me and everyone else how great you are? You put them away early. You put them away early and you, and you don't waste time doing it. Okay? And every single one of them should, should hit their knees and thank the good Lord that they won that game. Because because if that if that uh, if the member in the uh, Atlanta Falcons secondary holds on to the ball going to the ground, Kansas City has their second loss of the season and opens things up for Buffalo to get the number one seed. 
and if Koo, who who all season long for the most part was the most accurate kicker in the NFL this year, doesn't you know do what the Falcons do and then that and that's choke at the worst possible time. Where again the again the Chiefs are looking in their looking at themselves in the mirror, heading towards twenty twenty one, looking at ourselves saying, how the hell do we let a four win team beat us in late December? And then, and another thing that's going to and another thing that isn't going to that isn't going to uh, essentially in my in my opinion uh, a trend that goes in the Chiefs' favor for winning the for winning the Super Bowl. When was the when was the last time? In the AFC, a number one, a number one seed, a number one seed got the, uh, won the Super Bowl in the AFC. Number one seed last year was Baltimore. They got knocked out first round. Kansas City was the two seed. Two thousand eighteen, Kansas City was the one seed. Lost at home to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Patriots two thousand eighteen was the two seed. Patriots, I believe, in two thousand seventeen were the one seed. But they didn't win the Super Bowl, so it's been it's been a few years since the number one seed in the in the AFC actually gone on to win the Super Bowl. Ravens didn't in two thousand nineteen, and the Chiefs didn't in two thousand eighteen. Two seed win, not the one seed. So keep that in mind when you're evaluating the Chiefs' Super Bowl chances, and every and all you all out there that are so trigger happy to give. The Chiefs, their second Lombardi in, in another year, and 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 Brittany Matthews doing, you know, acting like it's uh, acting like you know, kumbaya, sing, I, I, you know, singing a cool in the gang celebration, going nuts like she and lost the damn mind for beating the Atlanta Falcons. Calm, calm, calm down, and let's take it easy, will you, please? You're 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 an you're an adult. Shut, sit down, shut up, and and grow up, will you, please? Okay, it's Chuck and all you say, act like you've been there before, okay? Now, you don't have to celebrate every win like you won the Super Bowl. Sit down, shut the hell up, and and, and let's show some maturity here, please. You bring a child into the world. Let's start, let's start acting like it, okay? My God. <sighs> Cleveland, oh boy, Cleveland. Yeah. Only, only the Cleveland Browns. Could go through a season where they win when they win uh, more than eight games. In this case, this year ten games, breaking essentially every drought that they've had. You know that they've had the last fifteen or so. Years. Only Cleveland could win ten games in a season and still find a way to do what the Cleveland Browns, who lost sixteen games in regular season, do, and that's just embarrass themselves in front of America. Only only the Cleveland Browns could win ten games in a regular season and still still be in danger of missing the playoffs. And that's doing that by losing to the New York Jets, who have won two games in a row, their first home game this season, wrapping up their 2020 campaign in front of a uh, front of a no fans met life, winning the game 23 to 16, winning their second straight game of the season. Only only Cleveland Browns. I and I understand. I understand. They had no wide receivers to work with. But my God, it is the hapless Jets. And you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, one of the best two-headed monster running a, rushing attacks in the NFL. You got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb sitting there, and you and you and combined, you throw the ball, or excuse me, combined, they have 15 carries for uh for uh, thir- for 39 yards on the ground and two touchdowns combined, really? 
really? This is what we're going to do now? And Baker Mayfield, which was a recipe for disaster, the fact that Baker Mayfield had to throw the ball 53 times and then had a costly turnover in the game. Really? Huh? What, 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 in, what in Cleveland's right mind thought that, you know, the key to beating the Jets when you have no wide receivers is for Baker Mayfield to throw the ball 50-plus times and to, uh, and to essentially ignore the run game when you needed to depend on the run game to beat the Jets because your wide receiver room is out because of contract tracing with the COVID. Really? And I don't want to hear anything about Kevin Stefanski being coach of the year. That's nonsense. If they end up missing the play, the fact that they lost to the Jets, the Jets automatically should disqualify you from getting coach of the year. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, goodbye. I see you. I don't want to. Uh, goodbye. Enough. But Cleveland had to take care of business against Mason Rudolph in Pittsburgh on Sunday if they if they want to get into the playoffs. I mean, can you imagine Cleveland winning ten games for the first time in fourteen some odd years, and then and 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 it's all for not you know play a classic game against the Ravens, and then it goes off for not because they end up missing the playoffs because they lost to the Jets. I mean, really, only only Cleveland, only Cleveland. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was cut, by the way, earlier this week, and rightfully so, you know, going, you know, playing like absolute dog dookie again, at home against the, against the Seahawks, goes out, gets caught on Instagram, uh, via the Instagram story, gets caught out partying like a, like a jackass, partying at a strip club, you know, partying at a strip club, and this is your franchise quarterback? Partying at a strip club with no mask on during a pandemic after you after you got your behind handed to you by Seattle at home in your own building with the you know with the division title on the line playoff appearance on the line and you go out there and party at the strip club. Me personally, and I said it last week, and I'll say it again. He should have been cut right down on the spot last Tuesday, but because Washington Washington is so desperate, they finally take away his captainship. But oh yeah, let's send you out there starting quarterback. You know, for you to win, because you're our only hope for us to win the division. Sadly enough, and and they go and he stinks up the joint. Goes fourteen for twenty eight, one hundred fifty four yards passing, didn't uh, didn't reach the end zone, and threw two interceptions. And uh, and fumbled the ball. Dwayne Haskins, really, really. Oh, I hope he never sees the NFL field again. Never. To hell with Dwayne Haskins. Listen, I'm not even going to waste my breath with him no more. To hell with Dwayne Haskins. You seen that bear blessed with the with blessed with the perfect opportunity only a handful of men have ever experienced in the history of the sport. And you piss it away because you because you're so damn horny that you gotta go up to the strip club during a pandemic, mind you, with no mask on when your team's in up here trying to win a division, making it into the playoffs. They're in the playoff and they're in the playoff hunt. You're sitting up here screwing around at strip and finding more important instead of getting instead of instead of getting your crap together, looking at some film, looking to see how you can fix your sorry, decrepit career, and you're sitting up here partying up at a strip club? Are you serious? After a loss, no less. During a pandemic with no mask on. And you think it's more important. You think you think your booty call is more important than you winning football games? To hell with Dwayne Haskins. I hope he never works again. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams. Another team I'm getting a little sick and tired of seeing. Uh, with uh, with Sean McVay, who I think is a little bit overrated. I mean, my goodness gracious, McVay, get the ball into the end zone. 
My goodness gracious. And all it's about Jared Goff, Jared Goff, Jared Goff. Jared Goff stinks. 24 for 43, 234 yards passing and an interception. Are you kidding me? Well, here they see. Well, Cam Akers was out. Big deal. Jared Goff makes the big time money. Wants to be considered a big time quarterback. Put the team on your back and, and get them home. You're in Seattle. No fans enough to deal with the 12th man. Enough with the excuses. Get your team home and quit farting around. My goodness gracious. Oh, he says a tough guy because he heard his thump. Oh, go sit on it somewhere. He's not a tough guy because he hears his thump. Really? Give me a break. And I don't hear anything about McVay being some offensive guru either. Jared, Jared Goff barely threw the ball down the downfield. Nobody averaged in his pass. He averaged five and a half yards a pass. This this is McVay now. This is McVay. Big time quarterback. All I ever hear about is Jared Goff is up there. Top 10 quarterback in the National Football League. It's paid high and mighty. He outplayed Breeze in a championship game two years ago. Rah, 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 rah. And, and, and this is the performance he gives me with the, with the uh, division title on the line. 24 for, 30, 24 for 43, 234 pass yards and an interception. Averaging five yards a pass. Really? And I, I think of McVeigh and and and, and uh, golf as a big time coach and quarterback tandem, hogwash, hogwash. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I don't hear anything about McVeigh. I don't hear anything about golf again. That, that that's it. That's the end of it. No more. Okay, I could care less about them beating up on a hapless Patriots team at home on Thursday night football in an, in an empty in an empty uh in an empty uh uh space needle of a stadium. I'm not interested. Spaceship of a stadium. I'm not interested. I could care less him beating up on the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, could care less. When the chips are down and when it's time for you to put your money where your mouth is and to bring your team home in a playoff chase against the division rival Seattle Seahawks, you did not do it. I won't hear not a word about golf or McVay ever until until they prove me otherwise. Ever. I'm done. I, I don't sit here giving me no McVay. I don't give sit up here and talk to me about golf. No, I'm not I'm not listening to it anymore. I am fed up. I am done. McVeigh is no big time head coach, and Golf is no big time head coach. I, I don't sit up here and give me his stupid win loss record. I could care less. What have you done for me lately, Golf? I've said it time and time and time and time and time again. He is an average, average quarterback at best. Average. A V E R A G E. Average quarterback at best. When he stinks, he is garbage. Hot garbage. And I don't hear anything about McVeigh either. Well, you know, we gotta we gotta save all the save all the uh save your your boisterous and your and your bravado for somebody else, McVeigh. I'm not I, I, shut up. I'm I'm not interested, I don't wanna hear it. Say, well, we gotta do shut up, McVeigh. I don't need I don't need you to tell me what you didn't do. Go out there and do it.
Seattle's defense has rebounded well on the Seattle side of the ball, on the Seattle side of things. Their defense has rebounded. They've been, they've been a completely different defense than what I saw the first uh, two months and a half of the season. All credit goes to Seattle. They get a home playoff game by winning the division. First since 2016. Shout out and congratulations to Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and the Seattle Seahawks. Last game, last game of week 16 of note, then take a break, and then I'll get on to the clinching scenarios as far as week 17 is concerned. Uh, the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay won the game 40-14. to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if you if you ain't gonna give the MVP, and this is a guy who vouched for Derrick Henry to get it, and he did not have a Derrick Henry type. He still ran for nearly a hundred yards rushing, but it wasn't a Derrick Henry that we've all been accustomed to seeing. Twenty three carries, ninety eight yards rushing, did not reach pain, or only had ten yards as long as running the game. But if you don't give the MVP to Aaron Rodgers at this point, this thing's pretty. Is this thing? I'm this thing's fixed. Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. I tell you, 21 for 25, 231 yards passing, four touchdowns, did throw interception. But boy, what what a what a what a bad you know what Aaron Rodgers is. I mean, MVP hands down, just give it to him. AJ Dillon, 21 carries, 124 yards rushing, and two touchdowns for your Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Jones ran for 94 yards on the ground as well. And Devontae Adams had a had a tremendous game, 11 receptions, 142 yards, and caught three touchdown passes from Aaron Rodgers. That is, and uh, and Green Bay improves to 12 and three. They need a win. They need a win on Sunday against the Bears and a little bit of help. I will get into that and all the other playoff clinching scenarios as far as Week 17 are concerned. Coming up after the break, this is the Amtelka TIS podcast. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Welcome back to the Amatelka TIA's podcast. Let's uh, take a minute here, since I got it, uh, to go through the clinching scenarios as far as a week seven, as far as week seventeen in the National Football League is concerned. Let's start out with the with the uh, AFC going alphabetical order, and then we will, uh, and then we will uh, go through every single one of them that are uh, there for week seventeen, and away we go. Take a break, and then get to college football, and then end the show off talking a little bit of baseball, but 
Let's go. Let's start with the Ravens first, okay? Ravens ten and five now. Ten and five going up against the Bengals. That game will be at one o'clock on CBS. The game will be played in Cincinnati because these two teams went up against each other in Baltimore on October the eleventh. Uh, okay, so Baltimore clinches a playoff berth with with a simple win in your in scenario for Baltimore. They beat. They win the game. They win the game. They're in the playoffs. They beat the Bengals. They're in simple. Colts losing opened up the door for that, along with the Browns losing, which is you know, which is funny because you know, because you know, my uh, my sister who's a big time Ravens fan was essentially pissed off at the Raiders all get out because of how that game ended on uh, how that game ended on Saturday night because you knew she knew that the uh, that the Browns. Even though they were without what their wide receivers, he thought that the Browns were going to, you know, beat the Jets. And then, of course, she thought that, well, Pittsburgh essentially has done nothing for the last three weeks. What makes you think they're going to do anything against the, against a good Colts team? The Browns didn't show up, and then the Colts collapsed, which opened up which opened up the door for Baltimore. And then, of course, Baltimore took care of business against the Giants, which now puts Baltimore in a situation where they win the game, they beat Cincinnati, they're in the playoffs. So it's almost as if because Indianapolis and Cleveland losing on Sunday, that the Raiders losing then that the Raiders lose losing that game on Saturday night didn't affect them at all. But they but they're in the playoffs if they win. They're in the playoffs also if Cleveland loses. They're all who plays Pittsburgh. They also are in the playoffs if Indianapolis gives uh, Jacksonville their second win of the season and in which Jacksonville beat Indianapolis the first game of the season to get their first end to this point their only win of the season. And uh, you think Jacksonville with the number one with the number one pick already locked up will be looking to play spoiler and to win that game so that the Ravens can make it if they win the game, or if Cleveland loses, or if Indianapolis loses. They also can make the playoffs if somehow they and Cincinnati tie and Miami loses. If they and Cincinnati tie and Tennessee loses, or if they and Cincinnati tie and Cleveland loses, or the or the Ravens and the Colts tie their respective games. That's how Baltimore clinches an AFC wild card berth with uh, on uh, on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, their division rival Cleveland is in a win in your end scenario too. They beat Pittsburgh, they make the playoffs. Or Indianapolis loses and make the playoffs. Or Tennessee loses. Miami wins and Baltimore wins. They make the playoffs. So if Tennessee loses, Miami wins, and Miami beats Buffalo, and the Ravens beat the Bengals, they will make the playoffs. That's the third option. And, of course, uh, the tie scenarios. Cleveland ties, Baltimore loses. Cleveland ties, Miami loses. Cleveland ties, Tennessee loses. Cleveland ties, Indianapolis ties, Cleveland ties, Tennessee ties, Ravens win, and Dolphins win. It's also how the Cleveland Browns make the playoffs for the first time in a while. Their game is home against Pittsburgh, the scene of the crime where the Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph uh, fiasco took place back in November 2019. They will uh, go back to the scene of that crime Sunday afternoon on uh, CBS. Indianapolis can can win the NF, the can win the AFC South division 
with with a win and a Tennessee loss, Tennessee plays Houston, or they tie and Tennessee loses. So they can win they can win their division by beating Jacksonville and Tennessee losing to uh, Tennessee losing to Houston or tying Houston or they tie the Jaguars and Tennessee loses. They can plan, they can clinch a playoff but this is when it gets a little bit more complicated. Uh, they they win and Baltimore loses to Cincinnati. They win, Cleveland loses to Cleveland. Cleveland loses to Pittsburgh. They win, Miami loses to uh, Buffalo. Or the or they uh, or they or of course you go through the tie scenarios. Simply put, if the Colts can't if the Colts do not beat Jacksonville, they are not they they can't make they cannot go to the playoffs. Ten and six will not be good enough to make the playoffs for the Indianapolis Colts. They have to either win they have to win or tie win win the game or tie Jacksonville. They cannot lose that game against one and fourteen Jacksonville with literally nothing. They got the number one seed locked up, and it's a far gone conclusion that obviously they're not making the playoffs. If they got to win, they got to beat Jacksonville or tie them. They lose, they're out. That's it. Period. Bottom line. Miami can can clinch a playoff berth with with winning, Baltimore losing. This this is a, this is an this is an either or scenario. They went they win they beat Buffalo therein, or Baltimore loses to Cincinnati therein, or Cleveland loses in therein, or Indianapolis loses in therein, or they tie and Baltimore ties, they tie and Cleveland ties, they tie and Indianapolis ties, or they tie and Tennessee ties. Tennessee can win their division with with uh, with a win in your in scenario, or Indianapolis loses, or they tie and Indianapolis ties. Tennessee can clinch an AFC wildcard berth if Baltimore loses or Miami loses or they tie and Cleveland loses or they tie and Miami ties or they tie and Cleveland ties. That's where you stand as far as the AFC is concerned. And in, and in the AFC, the Bills have have won the East, the Chiefs have won the West and the number one and locked up the number one seed. And Pittsburgh has won the AFC North. Now, as far as the NFC is concerned, the Packers have won their division, still looking to get the number one seed. The Saints have won their division, still looking to get the number one seed. Seattle is still in play to get the number one seed. They locked up the West on uh, Sunday by beating the Rams. And the Tim Bay Buccaneers have a wild have a wild card uh, playoff slot already locked up for themselves. So what's left? So what's left on the board is the NFC East. The uh and the two and the and the two extra wild card spots. So it's two wild card spots in the NFC East. Three playoff spots still remain in the NFC. Let's go through them. Arizona can get one of those. Can get one of those two extra playoff spots that still remain with with beating the Rams or tying the Rams. Plus Chicago loss. They're sitting at eight and seven, which is why that loss to to that to an injury to Helen Beck. Uh, Ram team or Ram team, 49er team at home was just so costly. You know, if genius uh, Cliff Kingsbury can uh, thank the Chicago Chicago Bears can thank Cliff Kingsbury if Chicago ends up making it into the playoffs and Arizona doesn't. Speaking of Chicago, they can make it into the playoffs if they win. If that's a winning year in scenario, or if Arizona loses, or if they and the uh, Cardinals both tie. 
Cowboys can win their division, believe it or not, after starting two and seven, looking like to be uh, down and out, uh, down and out, down for the count. And we'll see in 2021. I mean, boy, have Andy Dalton and company just resurrected uh, their season to the point where if you would have told me back in November that come week 17, January 3rd, that the Dallas Cowboys will be playing to win the division and go to the playoffs, I would have called you 87 different types of crazy. But lo and behold, that's where they stand here in week 17, courtesy of Dwayne Haskins finding it more important to go to strip club instead of instead of instead of uh, sitting on his ass and preparing himself for Carolina to win a division. That's not a you know there. Dallas going the NFC East if they win plus Washington losing to the Eagles on Sunday night or the or Washington ties the Eagles or if Dallas ties and Washington loses. Same thing with the Giants. The winner of the the winner of Dallas versus Giants essentially essentially is in a, is in a position where if the if the if Washington loses they win the division. So winner of Dallas so the winner of Dallas Giants is in a is in a position where if the if the uh, if Washington loses to the Eagles they that team whether it's Dallas whether it's the Giants they win their they win their division. But if but regardless who wins Giants Dallas if Washington wins they're they they win the division they're in the playoffs automatically just like that. So that's where you stand. So knock three birds out with one stone. That's where you stand as far as the NFC East is concerned. Green Bay can get the number one seed with a win or a tie or if Seattle loses or they tie. The Rams can clinch a playoff berth. The Packers play the Bears on the road at 425 at uh, at uh, 425. The Rams, the Rams can clinch a playoff berth if if they either win or, or tie, and they can also clinch a playoff berth if the Bears lose or they tie. The Saints can clinch a first round but and the and the Rams play Arizona at home at four twenty five. That's a Nance and a Romo special. The Saints can clinch a first round can clinch the number one seed in the NFC if they win. Green Bay loses and Seattle wins. Seattle plays San Francisco and Green Bay plays the Bears, who have something to play for. And the Saints are at Carolina at four twenty at four twenty five on Fox. So repeat, the Saints can clinch a number one seed if they win. Green Bay loses to the Bears and the Seahawks beat the 49ers. That's uh, and that's essentially and, and that's the only and that's the only scenario where the Saints can get the number one seed in, in the uh, NFC. Seattle can clinch the number one seed and get the first round by if they win, the Packers lose to the Bears and the Saints lose to the Panthers and or tie them. That is where you stand as far as the Week 17 clinching scenarios are concerned in case you want me to, and I will be right there to do it for you. Here is your Week 17 schedule. The first Sunday of the new year, January 3rd, is as follows. 1 o'clock, this is, at, this is the 1 o'clock slot time. Here are your games. 4-11 Falcons 
at the uh, at the ten and five Buccaneers, that game means nothing. One o'clock, that game's on Fox, by the way. One o'clock on Fox, six and nine Cowboys at the five and ten Giants. Winner of that game uh, has their fate decided by Washington and the Eagles on Sunday night. That game's on Fox. That game will be worth note. That will that game will be worth something. This game is meaningless. The two and thirteen Jets against the six and nine Patriots. That game's at one o'clock on CBS. If you care. Uh, this game means nothing. Six and nine Vikings going up against the five and ten Lions. That game's at one o'clock on Fox. That game means nothing. This game means something as far as uh, as far as uh, playoff implications for the Brownies are concerned. One o'clock, twelve and three Pittsburgh at ten and five Cleveland. That game's on one o'clock at on CBS. That game will be worth something. This game will be worth something. One o'clock CBS, ten and five Ravens at the uh, now hot. Uh, wanting, winning on a two-game win streak, the 4-10-1 Cincinnati Bengals. That game will mean something. This game, this game means something. This game will mean something as far as the AFC playoffs is, is concerned. One o'clock, one o'clock on CBS. Dolphins at the Bills. Ten and five Dolphins at the twelve and three, at the twelve and three Buffalo. Bills. That's where you stand as far as one o'clock is concerned. Here is the four twenty-five slot. Four twenty-five. This game will mean something as far as playoffs for the Seahawks are concerned. Four twenty-five on Fox. Eleven and four Seahawks against the against the San Francisco 49ers at six and nine. This game will. This game definitely, definitely means something as far as the AF. As far as the uh, as far as the uh, the uh, the NFC playoffs are concerned. The eleven and four Seahawks against the six and nine, uh, or excuse me, the eight and seven Cardinals. I already read that for you. My apologies. The six, the eight and seven Cardinals going up against the nine and six Los Angeles Rams. That game, that game will be on. Uh, and I said that that uh, that the Green Bay uh, Bear game is on CBS. That game is on Fox. My apologies, but that Arizona Ram game. Will be on CBS. That will be that game will be brought will be announced by Nance Romo and Wolfson, so they get to see SoFi Stadium one more time uh, before the season uh, before the season uh, is uh, completed. Four twenty five CBS Jaguars and Jaguars and Colts. That game has playoff implication. Four twenty five Titans and Texans. That game has has playoff implication. This game has this game means nothing. So unless you want to bore your eyes out watching Raiders and Broncos. You can uh, you don't have to put this game on your little Sunday ticket game mix at four thirty on the East Coast. Uh, Raiders and Broncos that on CBS that game means nothing. Four twenty five this game means nothing uh, because the Chiefs already have number one C locked up. Mahomes and company won't be playing, and the Chargers of course are limited. This game's at four twenty five on Fox. Don't agree with it. This game should be this game should be on CBS. Granted, I know five, I know they I guess the NFL wanted to give both the networks uh, a game a game of meaning at uh, at the in the four o'clock window. So they gave Cardinals and Rams to CBS and Fox gets uh, the gets the Packers and the Bears. I get it, but two AFC teams on Fox makes little to no sense in my eyes. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, the Packers and the Bears, like I said, aforementioned, that game has significance to it. Twelve and three Packers against the eight seven Bears. Packers trying to get the number one seed, and the Bears trying to make the playoffs. That game 
will absolutely have uh, some intrigue to it. That game's at 425 on Fox. 425 on Fox as well. 11-4 Saints at the 5-10 Panthers. That game has implications for who gets the number one seed in the NFC. That game absolutely means something. And 8-20 in the Sunday night game, the final one of the season. 6-9 Washington Redskins at the 4-10-1 Eagles. Eagles are eliminated, but they can play spoiler and do a big favor to the winner of, of Giants Cowboys. Cowboys, uh, if Washington wins, they win the division. If Washington loses, the winner of Giants and Cowboys wins the NFC East, gets a home playoff game, and moves on to play uh, uh, to play football the second weekend of January 2021. That is where you stand as far as the clinching scenarios and the schedule as far as Week 17 National Football League is concerned. Talk these college football playoff bowl games coming up right after this. Back to the Amatelica TIS podcast, switching gears now to these two college football playoff national uh, semifinal uh, games. You got the Rose Bowl, which for this year is moved to uh, Dallas because, you know, uh, because uh, of course you had the coach uh, Kelly of Notre Dame threatened to not play the game if the player's family wasn't allowed to uh, to see him play in the stadium. So they moved that game from uh, Pasadena, from the Rose Bowl to, uh, to uh, AT&T Stadium in Dallas just for this year. So that's where you stand with that. And then, of course, you have the Sugar Bowl, All-State Sugar Bowl, which will be played, which will be played, um... Which will be played in uh, crap. We'll be, we'll be I'm having a brain fart. Which will be played in the Superdome. How the how can I? Which will be played at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome in uh, in New Orleans. So that is where you stand as far as uh, as far as uh, the locations and sorts of those two uh, of those two games are uh, are concerned. 
Um, let's go. Let's go with uh, Notre Dame and Clemson first, and then we'll go to Ohio State, Clemson, and then take a break and get to the uh, get to baseball. Uh, get some news as far as baseball is concerned. Then we will before we uh, say goodbye. Uh, Notre Dame ten and one, Alabama eleven and zero. Notre Dame rank, got the uh, got the fourth ranking, uh, much to me and the rest of America's chagrin. Uh, at having gotten absolutely smacked by Clemson in the ACC championship game, while while Alabama essentially uh, took it to Florida in the SEC championship game, Najee Harris, what a game he had! That's that's gonna be one hell of a that's going he's gonna be one hell of a uh, running back in the NFL. I mean, Alabama just produces running back at, at star running back after star running back after star running back. He's gonna be another one. If he uh, if all goes well with him, but what a big game he had against Florida in the SEC championship game. These two teams, uh, t- these two teams going up against each other for the uh, for the bid to play in the uh, in the national championship game on uh, January the 11th at Miami uh, Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, Alabama is the best team. I don't know what you want me to say. Uh, they run the football. They run the football well. Their de- their defense is solid. As far as Notre Dame is concerned, they they're going to get smacked again. I mean, if they if they can't hold their own against Clemson, what makes you what makes you think that they're going to hold their own against Alabama? I mean, they let they let Lawrence, they let Lawrence and 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 then Clemson go absolutely gaga on them in the ACC championship game. I'm giving them no shot, no shot, no shot to beat Alabama. In the uh, in the Rose Bowl, as far as the, according to ESPN's Power Football Index, they give Alabama eighty one percent chance to win the game. So it's just so uh, take that for what it is worth. Game number two of note, and the only game I'll honestly pay attention to is the All State Sugar Bowl between number three Clemson against number excuse me number three Ohio State against number two Clemson. Uh, I got no issues with Clemson going in, uh, being you know going. Uh, playing in this game I got issues with Ohio State if you can't if you can't play your game if you can't play your games I understand it may not be your fault necessarily per se but you can't play your games you can't play in the cha- you can't play to compete for a championship that's just how I see it in my eyes Ohio State you know had a rusty start they had they remember they had that classic game in the Fiesta Bowl a couple years ago but uh but if you but if you uh but Ohio State but Ohio State um, they were very spotty early. They did not wake up and get themselves organized and get themselves together until around the third quarter in their Big Ten championship game against Northwestern. They were very spotty to start it off to start the game off and against the Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. And you essentially cannot start off spotty against this Clemson team because once uh, Clemson sees that uh, that you might not have your A game. They're going to pounce. They're going to pounce on, it and they are going to just attack, 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 and and uh, and put the st- and put the stake through you to uh, to fin to finish you off. So as far that's as far as uh, Clemson is concerned. This game eight o'clock New Year's New Year's night on ESPN should be an exciting and intriguing game. I will be on top of it, of course. For sure, and I will talk about it. Uh, come uh, January January the second on the uh, for on uh, New Year's Day, uh, weekend twenty twenty one. Take a break. Got some items of uh, baseball to get to coming up right after this.
Welcome back to the Yamatoka TIS podcast. Switching gears now to some off-season baseball news, both involving uh, starting pitching and the uh, San Diego Padres, who uh, who are uh, trying to make a push to uh, challenge their division rival Dodgers for not just the NL West, but the National League and uh, possibly making a run out of World Series uh, championship. Uh, the pod between the Padres and the Rays. Rays trade left-handed pitcher Blake Snell. You know the guy that was uh, pulled in the uh, well, that was pulled uh, prematurely, uh, way, 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 way too early uh, in game uh, in game six of uh, I believe was it was game six. Yeah, game six, uh, game six of the two thousand and twenty World Series, th- courtesy to. Uh, Courtesy of Kevin Cash and the uh, and Tampa Bay Rays, uh, out and Tampa Bay Rays uh, outsmarting themselves. Uh, yes, it was Game Six. Courtesy of Kevin Cash and the Tampa Bay Rays organization trying to outsmart themselves. They pull. They pulled their. They pulled their best pitcher. Uh, they pulled their best pitcher in a you know in a situation where they had the Dodgers reeling in that game. Couldn't they could not hit. They could not hit the broadside of a bone that night. I mean, he was striking out left and right. Snell was just mowing down the Dodgers, and uh, and Kevin Cash decides to pull him. And ends up uh, costing gives the gives the Dodgers a sense of momentum, and he ends up costing the uh, Rays a 2020 uh, World Series championship. I went, you can go find it on the I'm Tucker Taylor's Twitter page and Instagram page. I went nuts when, uh, in case you didn't hear it, I went nuts when uh, Cash pulled them out back in the late October. But the Rays traits now. The Rays get the right-handed pitcher Luis Patino, right-handed pitcher Cole Wilcox, catcher Blake Hunt, and Francisco and Francisco Mejita, all prospects from the San Diego Padres organization in exchange for Blake Snell. From a from a Padres standpoint, you love the trade because Blake Snell, of course, has a aforementioned a postseason experience, and the Padres are a team looking to make a deep postseason run in 2021. He's a solid pitcher. Matter of fact, let me pull. Let me uh, give you uh, his. Let me give you his stats from 2020. While I got you here, he uh, in 2020 he had he four and two with a 3.24 ER with a 3.24 uh, e, with a 3.24 ERA he went uh, th- four and two in 2020. Uh, as far as uh, as far as how he did against uh, as far as how he did in the postseason, I'll give it to you. Uh, I will give it to you. Uh, right here. I'll just give me a uh, just give me a minute or so. Uh, let's see postseason. Let's see, and then of course in the postseason for Tampa, two and two with a three point oh three ERA. Uh, let's see, struck out thir- struck out thirty seven guys, only walked fourteen, only walked fourteen, gave up five home runs, uh, twenty hits. 20 hits and 10 runs, all of them earned with a 1.15 uh, whip in the 2020 postseason for uh, for Tampa. So from a from a San Diego standpoint, you love the trade. Um, he's going to give you. He's going to. He's an extra. Uh, he's an extra. Uh, 
weapon in your in your starting pitching arsenal that you're going to have, you know, when you have you're in a winner take all game late in the postseason or game one, he is your start that you're going to that you're going to throw out against the Dodgers or uh, against the Dodgers or the Nationals or whoever it might be in a postseason setting. Um, don't uh, can't you know can't really pinpoint what he's going to do all season long. Strictly because you know you don't know how the season's gonna go. Whether we're gonna start in April at like planned or start in uh start in late May or June when they can, you know try to curtail it so they can have fans. Who knows? But who knows? But Blake Snell is a is a great addition for the San Diego Padres in there and their rotation. They can join you know Machado and Tatis as you know like their uh, their big superstars as they can you know that they can sell to you as a member of that Padres organization. From a Tampa Bay Rays standpoint, I mean it's 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 pathetic. It really is pathetic. I mean, your manager pulls him out game six of the World Series ends up ends up costing you and you and you essentially and because you're the cheap, frugal, pathetic Oakland A or Oakland A's. Pathetic Tampa Bay Rays who should have who should have deleted your franchise a long time ago, who cannot who cannot draw flies with or without COVID-19 cannot they cannot cannot give those tickets away. I mean there are more fans in the Tampa St. Pete area of there are more fans of the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees than there are Tampa Bay Rays fans in that area. You you can't give away a seat. And don't sit up here and t- because part of the reason why is because is because Florida, although it's a, although it's a great place to hold spring training and a great atmosphere for baseball, and you know, in the month of March, you know, people getting away from the cold and everything else. As far as building a baseball team there and planting a baseball team, you know, having success there, a baseball team in say of Florida, it's an absolute mess. I mean, the Marlins have won two World Championships, but they aren't. But you know, they you know they got a they got a stadium there for one. They got Jeter sitting there, you know, and they and they did have Giancarlo Stanton who won the MVP for them a few years ago. So they you know and of course and like I said, they've won two championships, so they shouldn't be there either. But they've made the most out of out of a out of a of a out of a pretty much bad situation. Uh, meanwhile, Tampa, they don't draw it. They've been one World Series in their, or two World Series in their franchise's history. They haven't won. E- they haven't won either of them. They don't draw big ratings nationally. They can't give the tickets away. Although the team for the for the majority of their tenure down there have been a fairly competitive baseball team. They have played in many of uh, of uh, postseasons in October in their history. It's just they're they're terrible, and and any single time they they get a star on their hands, you know that could end up being something that they can market to the fans and sell and and buy the jerseys and everything else. They they ship them they ship them off for a bunch of prospects and and for and for essentially pennies on the dollar, and you cannot under any circumstances build a long term. You cannot be a you cannot have a long-term foundation with a city or a region or whatever or with a fan base and cannot be a staple as far as the sports team in that city is concerned without any big name stars or or any or anyone that that the fans the the locals can let can latch on to and 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 and, and buy the jerseys for you know you buy Blake Snow jersey is good for 5 years and then once it wants to have to pay him a little bit of something because he deserves it. In all fairness, they got they got to ship him off to another team for a, for a bunch of prospects no one's ever heard of. So 
the 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 owner is the owner is a joke. The the team itself is a joke. Them pulling Blake Kevin Cash pulling Blake Snow in the World Series is a joke. The get out of Tampa, move to Nashville, move to Montreal, move move wherever you gotta go to be a respectable franchise that can afford to keep a couple of superstars and to really market themselves, not essentially waste everyone everyone in America's time, you know, developing the young stars and then having to ship them off for essentially a bag of cheese doodles because you're so cash poor you can't afford to pay them. So I mean, so I mean. I had I honestly I don't know I don't know Tampa Bay Rays I uh, I I honestly don't know I mean your best pitcher one of the main reasons why you got to the World Series and you ship them off with a bunch of prospects I mean you would think you would think that you'd want to like build on top of what you had last year and say okay well what can we do in the off season in 2020 to get us primed for a postseason run and a World Series run so hopefully we can win the whole thing in 2021 but of course the but of course the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays you know we got to you know winning championships try to win championships the money ball way and so far that ha- that has not uh, that has not worked out that has not worked out for them and uh, and it shouldn't shock anyone. It shouldn't shock anyone who's a baseball fan why that has been the case. Another trade that the Padres have made over the last uh, couple of days: they traded for you Darvish, uh, formerly of the Chicago Cubs. The Padres got Darvish and a ca- and catcher Victor Caratini, Car- whatever his name is, and cash from the Cubs for right-hander Zach Davies and four young uh, minor leaguers. Darvish has postseason. Ex- Darvish has postseason experience. Not good one. Vomit all over himself as a member of the, uh, of the Dodgers back in his uh, Dodger days in the in the World Series and in the postseason. But they got another pitcher with postseason experience. Hopefully he doesn't. Uh, hopefully Lightning doesn't strike twice. And when the and when the Padres call his number in a postseason setting, he will be able to uh, deliver for the Padres. But the Padres getting very aggressive when you when we've essentially gone all off season with uh, with little to no uh, player movement. We get two big thing. We get two uh, not even not these aren't free agency signings, but we get two uh, big off season news as far as baseball is concerned with Darvish going to the Padres, and then of course you get uh, and then of course Blake Snell, formerly of the American League champion Tampa Bay Rays, is now a San Diego Padre. So that is where you stand as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. You get two little uh, trades here as as we uh, start coming down the home stretch of the uh, of the year two thousand and twenty. But that is your show, and that is your little items of baseball that I had to get on the board before we say goodbye. Uh, be on the lookout for the best of interview show on New Year's Eve and the top ten games of twenty twenty. Those two episodes will be released tomorrow. Will be released tomorrow. It's your boy Josh Shields. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram. Your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. It's your boy Josh Shields. Happy New Year, everyone. Have a safe and a blessed one. Talk to you in 2021. See you.